You're listening to a podcast from Victory. The authors and editors of the Bible were led or influenced by God, resulting in writings that are designated in some sense as the Word of God. Explore this truth in week three of our series, Word View. Now, we look at 2 Timothy 3. Originally, we're, I was going to just preach on verse 14 to 17. But I, as I studied the book, I realized it, it was kind of creepy because when I turned to 2 Timothy 3 and started reading it, it was creepy or in a way supernatural that when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, it was as if Paul was writing to us. This is the authority of the Word of God. Written thousands of years ago, but when we read it, it's like, Paul, are you reading? Are you? Do you have a Facebook account, Paul? How come you know? Right? These weren't the issues of your days, but you're writing it in prison. And you're sharing it to Timothy, who won't reach our time, but then it's so bullseye to what we're experiencing today. Paul wrote to Timothy and says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people like you and me who believe in the authority of the Scripture, who believe in this God. And again, this is what I'm saying when the Bible is authoritative because it's supernatural. There's no other book that could actually foretell or have a foresight where an author has a foresight of what's going to happen. Then in verse 2, he says, For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. We are living now in a time and an age. Remember the 80s when you say that there's no God? You'll receive a lot of negative criticisms with that statement. But now people can freely say there is no God. People now can actually bomb uh, worship halls. Okay? Nothing is sacred anymore. And not only that, but in the common general population, people actually love themselves more than anything else. People love money. This is the motivation of why a lot of people live. Uh, one of the authors and a marketer, Chris Brogan, says, it's really not about the money you earn, but how to live your life on your own terms. It actually sounds good in a secular ear, on a different worldview, wherein I live my own life, I'm the captain of my own ship, I drive my own car, where I want to go, that's where I'm going. But it actually takes God out of the equation of how I need to live my life. And this is the philosophy of the world because, again, it's on a different lens that they look at the world and they look at life. They think that the world should center around us and the universe. That's why the law of attraction, the secret, and all these things are very famous today because it makes you God. It makes the universe obey you. And people would love that because we love ourselves and our money. We're boastful and proud and we're saying we can control the energies of the universe to make it aligned to what I want. Imagine, this is what the world believes. Far crazier than believing that there's a God, that we are gods. They will consider nothing sacred. Uh, during our fasting, I was required to read the book for my studies. And the book is not God's Not Dead. It's called God's Not Great. Okay, it was written by, by an atheist. It was 500 pages of the thoughts of an atheist while prayer and fasting. I was reading that, so I was so depressed, praying and fasting. And it was Christopher Hitchens who says, if religious instruction were not allowed until the child had attained the age of reason, we would be living in a quite different world. What he was saying is how people who believe in God don't actually think. If the Bible is introduced when we are all thinking already, maybe in college, the world will be different. 
I don't know how different it would be, but there's truth in it. But what he's saying is he was actually maligning and mocking people of faith, saying that if you have faith in a God, you're actually not thinking. People are proud. They scoff at God. They mock God. And this is a best-selling book. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Again, check Facebook. Okay? They will be cruel and hate what is good. Our issues today is like this. They will be cruel and hate what is good in spite of all the love message that is being shared out in the world, we couldn't really define and live it out. This was what Paul was saying to Timothy. And this does not just happen outside the church. It happens inside the church. We talk about forgiveness, but we have a hard time forgiving. We talk about unconditional love, but we cannot love people. It happens also inside. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. There will be so much pride in the world. A faith that is devoid of God's power. The world will tell us, this book has no authority. This book, use it in your religious settings, privately. Don't put this in the public forum. Because you sound like a nut when you quote scriptures and verses. That's not the world we live in today. Paul says, be careful. It's difficult times. The world, you know, sometimes you cannot explain the world. It's, it's fascinating. The world has become more spiritual but less godly. One of the famous spiritual figures of all time who might run for president, Oprah, said, what God intended for you goes far beyond anything you can imagine. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Ephesians 3.20. But did you know that when Oprah says God, it's not the same because she's coming from a different worldview. She's coming from a new age worldview. She now has a show with Eckhart Tolle, and this is what he said. Oprah and I share a similar consciousness of spirit that is manifested in what some may call God or simply spirit, but others call it the Godhead manifestation of karmic virtue. In short, I cannot understand the quotation. Right? <laughs> That's how you become spiritual. Okay? You say words, highfalutin words of the karmic virtue and like this and then, huh? Well, actually, ibig sabihin yon. So, for somebody who's not grounded in the Word, you'll think, oh, Oprah's a Christian. She talks about God and how God has plans for your life. But the lens where she's coming from is a different God that the God of the Bible condemns. But many people don't have a clue because they don't read the Bible. And they don't do research. And they just believe any quotation they get from Google. Worldview is so important. That's why we're studying worldview. Then Paul tells this to Timothy. This kind of people who would act religious but devoid of any of God's power and knowledge. For of this sort are those who creep into the households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth with the infusion of knowledge in the palm of our hands through the internet. With so many people who are experts of this and that and this and that, PhD, you know, and all these people, quoting knowledge, pauses, they will always learn, but they will never come to the knowledge of the truth. The more they learn, the more they would say, there is no God. There will be this kind of people. Now, as Jans and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove 
concerning the faith. They think they know better, but they really don't know. This is what Paul was saying to Timothy. Always learning, but never coming to the truth. This is an ad in London, and that's Richard Dawkins, one of the uh, main atheists of our time. And they made campaign in London, talks about atheism and why you don't need God. Right? And a lot of weird things happening in Europe today. Okay? From no gender to no God. And you know, imagine with all the truth, with all the knowledge that we have today, the conclusion is there's no God. Now verse 10, Paul now tells Timothy, You, however, and let it be us, you, however, have followed my teaching. My conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. In my interpretation, you, however, who have followed my worldview, what I believed, my ambition, how I think, my thought pattern. You've seen everything, Timothy. You've looked at my life, my suffering and my persecution that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. What was Paul saying? Timothy, you've seen my life. You've seen how it worked because of the faith that I've embraced. Believing in this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Believing in what the Word of God says. You've seen my worldview and you've seen how I've changed. I was a former killer of Christians. Now I'm defending the faith. You've seen my life. I hope, and this is the prayer for everyone here, that we can actually say this with a clear conscience. You know my faith, right? I'm a Christian. Look at me. It works. I'm the greatest apologetic course you'll ever see. I'm the greatest evidence of the authority of the Word of God when you look at my life. Such great responsibility given to us by God. When Paul was saying to Timothy, you've seen everything, the blessings and the trials that I've experienced because of my worldview, because of what I believed in. Then he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. People will malign you because of your faith. People will malign you because you quote verses. And you tell them because while praying, I believe God said to me, God said, huh? Why did you make that decision? Really? You suffer persecution. Might not be like our Chinese brothers who would be imprisoned, jailed, and tortured. But in some different ways, we are persecuted and set aside as the coconuts and the irrational people, the old-fashioned, the intolerant people because of our worldview, because we believe in an absolute truth and we believe in the authority of the Scripture. It's part of the package of saying, I believe in the authority of the Word of God. One of the stories that I've read before was Brother Yun, the heavenly man, was imprisoned in China because of sharing his faith. And he would not recant. He's now an evangelist in the United Kingdom, uh, going around teaching about the persecution that's happening around the world. And in his story, when he was in jail, he was assigned to, he was assigned to clean the toilet. And when he was in the toilet, he found some papers. And when he looked at the papers, he realized they were pages of the Bible that were teared out and used as tissue paper by the prison guards to wipe away every tear in the eye, okay? And when he saw that it was the Bible, he took those pages and cleaned it the best he can and started, you know, putting it all together and gluing it together so that he could memorize 
a few pages of the scripture. He believed in the authority of the word. He was imprisoned because of the word, but he still loved the word because he understood the supernatural power of the word of God. In verse 13, he says, While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. We live now in a world where somebody from Davao can say he is the appointed son of God and millions will follow. It's amazing, fascinating. The sad thing is, guys, please, not because somebody says, I'm pastor like this, you believe. Even me, check my preaching. You've got to check every preacher and his fruit and does this align to the Word of God. You can't just believe it right, and share it to your friends without first checking Many will be saved in the last days. The church is growing. We've seen it. You look around you. Our church is again full. But many also in the last days will go from bad to worse. Deceiving many people. For money, for monetary gain, for selfish gains. They would even use religion to do that. But as for you, and this was Paul's admonition to Timothy. For you, you continue in what you have learned and firmly believe knowing from whom you've learned it. Paul was saying, Timothy, I know you. I know your family, your Lola Eunice and your mother Lois. The gift of faith that they have. Continue in what you've learned and firmly believe in those things that you grew up with. Don't stray away from that because that will give you life. I remember, um, I grew up in church. Literally. Our parents sent us to a Christian church on a Sunday because they said, if you're a Christian, you'll be a good boy. So they sent us to a church. They were not Christians. But we were sent to a Christian church because they want us to behave. Right? Which is, again, a wrong worldview. And so I grew up with a solid foundation of the Scripture. When I was in college, first day of our religion class, our religion teacher who studied and finished theology and is now teaching in a very prestigious green school, okay, which I love very much. Not FEU. Okay. Okay. Right. I need to have authority. Okay. I need to tell the facts. Okay. In La Salle, imagine, the religion teacher comes up and he says, day one, finish theology. Class, by the way, will study Genesis. And I want you to know Genesis is not true. Okay. In my mind, I wanted to debate, but I was not equipped. I love God. I love the Bible. But I cannot go to the professor and say, Professor, that is wrong. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. I, I cannot. Okay. I need to have evidence also. So I wasn't equipped at that time. But I was not moved to unbelief because of a statement he made. But almost all my classmates who were not reading the word, because of a statement of a stranger that we just met today, told us, Genesis is false. Upon study, I found out Genesis 1 is actually a poetry. And Genesis 2 was the account of the creation. The Bible started with a song. That's why pala it's rhythmic. And that's why the numbers in the, Hebrew, in the Greek text was numbered properly. Because it was a song. And his argument was, this is not true and not to be followed because there's two accounts of creation. In our household, if you go to our house, we call it taka-taka. Bisaya for parang kwentong barbero. And all our kids use this, taka-taka. Okay? If I say something, they don't believe it. Taka-taka, dad. Right? Kami rin, taka-taka. Diba? Pag may sinasabing 
Parang, tama ba yan? Even our philosophy teacher said, there is no God. And we will use reason to answer the questions of your life. And after three months, no questions were answered. There were only more questions. Because in the midst in the midst of all knowledge, they could not come to the truth. This is the world we live in today. Who will I believe? It's as simple as this. Okay. Who will I believe? This book, written by 40 plus authors from different timelines, coming together. They don't know each other. It all came together free of any errors and contradiction with 40 plus authors. Imagine. This is supernatural. Scholars, Christians, and non-Christians, linguists would tell you how accurate the text is. That's why I say, you just go and research. But don't research a 25-year-old doing a YouTube presentation on why there is no God. Because even his YouTube cannot be accepted in academic institutions. Go and look at PhDs, at scholars, and they will tell you what is true. You go there. Don't go to popular best-selling authors. Go to somebody who really studied the, the text, who knows Greek and Hebrew and who knows history, so that you will see, yeah, most of what is being dished out today is actually taka-taka. It would not even be accepted in any academic institution. You have to know who's credible. So again, the question is very simple. The authority in the councils, and we'll be teaching this on the fifth week, it has been approved, studied by groups of scholars and says this is the authoritative word of God and it's used by a billion people. Or would I believe a 40-year-old guy who I don't know also, who just makes a claim, God is then, there is no God. It's a choice. Give me the burden of proof with your statement. Because in Paul's time, this was not even disputed. Imagine. It was not an issue for them because they know it's true. But now, because through time, history has been rewritten and rewritten and rewritten, now people are now doubting. And so we make a lot of taka-taka statements about God and about His Word. Verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Paul would look at the Scripture as sacred writings. This is holy, divinely inspired, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What Paul was saying, this is so authoritative, it will make you wise in salvation. It will change your worldview. It will change how you live. One of the best ways we can trust the message is by the power it has to change people. Has this changed people's lives for the better? Yes. Paul reminds Timothy that the scripture gives us wisdom that leads to salvation and a relationship with Christ. Isaac Newton, my uncle, uh, said, We account the scriptures of God to be the most sublime philosophy. I find more sure marks of authenticity in the Bible than in any profane history whatsoever. Even the great Isaac Newton was saying, The text just makes a lot of sense. Now, that's my introduction. Let me go to the message. This was what I was going to preach today. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the verse 
that defends the authority of the Scripture, if we're going to use the Bible. It says here that all of God's Scripture, all of God's Word is inspired. God breathed. It's as if God said it. These are the very words of God in its ancient Greek text. Okay? This is the Word of God. It's useful for teaching, training, and changing worldviews. When you say God breathed, it's like the picture of a sailboat and we are the driver, the writers are the driver, but it is the wind who directs it. And this is what happened with the writers of the Old and the New Testament, 40 plus authors, without any error, because as they were writing it, the Holy Spirit inspired them. So that they were divinely inspired. Hindi po na-inspire, iba po yung, ay, na-inlove ako. Hindi, okay. Divinely inspired so that they would, they would connect all the stories together. Imagine, till the very end. It's fascinating because when you go to Israel, some of the prophecies that were that's in the Bible today are actually happening now. That's how supernatural it is. Right? It's divinely inspired. That's why you see the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's the same account, different personalities. Okay? Okay, Mark was more fast paced, you know, just telling the story like a real man. And there was Luke, the doctor, who was more meticulous in his details. And there was John, who was very millennial. Okay, so uh, you would see different ways of writing. Hindi nawala yung personality, but then God inspired all four of them to write the same accounts. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Paul was saying everything you read in Scripture was taught by the Spirit of God and not taught by the wisdom of man because man could not even say these things apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, Dr. Randall Price said, By comparison with secular literature, we have in the Bible, hands down, the best and most complete text in all of human history that cannot be by random chance. Judaic scholar, he's archaeologist and a linguist at Princeton University. He was saying, hands down, 99.5% accuracy rate of the ancient literary text and no other literary text would have that accuracy rate in the entire world. Let the linguist say it, not the YouTuber or the Wikipedia guy. Let somebody who knows what he's saying say it. That's the power of the Scripture. That's the authority of the Word. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Second Peter 1 verse 20 humans cannot just invent it. And we've seen cults do it. And that's why you look at where the cults are today. Because it's of human invention. You cannot prophesy scripture that comes from your own interpretation. It's going to be messy. It's not going to change the nation. It's not going to transform lives. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's why this is where we got the doctrine of the, that the Word of God is inspired. It's authoritative. It's God-breathed. That's the, that's the translation. Inspired Word of God. In other versions, it says, the prophets did not think these things up on their own, but they were guided by the Spirit of God. They were carried along by the Spirit. Uh, King James, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In the message, it's not something concoded in the human heart. Prophecy resulted when the Holy Spirit prompted men and women to speak God's Word. 
theologian Benjamin Warfield said, Inspiration is, therefore, usually defined as a supernatural influence exerted on the sacred writers by the Spirit of God, by virtue of which their writings are given divine trustworthiness. And that's why when you read the Scripture, it still convicts you. Natry niyo yan kay Harry Potter or kung sino mang novelist na nagsulat or even great Christian authors like Tolkien, this would have a different effect. Even the book written by Randall, which was all a biblical worldview, it has a different effect when I read this book and I read this book. Even though I know Randall and I know he practices what he has written there, but this is such divine authority over my life changes me. Now let me end with this text, Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Again, it says, this is inspired, authoritative, it's going to change your worldview. That's why it's profitable for teaching, for changing you. And then, he says in verse 17 to Timothy, that the man of God and the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What was the main thesis of Paul? Very simple. Paul was saying, the greatest evidence of the authority of the Word of God is your life. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, your friend, who's an atheist or a skeptic, might not read the Bible. Then look at you. Who's been equipped, thoroughly equipped, because you firmly believe so that you can do good work. And people would see, wow, there's something about the guy I'm not a Christian. I don't agree. I'm actually an agnostic and I question the existence of God. But when I see Him, there's a probability that there is a God. The greatest evidence really is our lives. How we live. The question we need to ask is this. Does the Word of God have authority over your life? Because you are the evidence. Ibidin ka. Hindi katakataka. You're the evidence. And this is what Paul was saying. The role of the church is to live out in obedience the very words of God. Not sugarcoat the Bible. Not adjust so that the world can eat it more. So, oh, pwedeng tikman. No, no. Live it out in its fullness and the world will see the difference. And now it's an evidence of how authoritative the Word of God is. You just heard a podcast from Victory. For more messages like these and to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash victoryph.